We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. inside left handed off the glass oh what a sweet move giddy tough spot back door what a pass what a play and jada picks the pocket of trey young he'll take it himself this is luke art you're listening to the uncontested what is up and welcome to the uncontested podcast coming to you live sunday february 11th on the heels of a back-to-back Thunder mid-afternoon games, we got a lot to talk about. Before we do that, though, you're probably part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got my guy, Justin Peabody, with me. Hello, everybody. And the one and only Nick Crane. We are so close to All-Star Weekend, and it is much needed. Like a palate cleanser, if you will. Needed for you or for the basketball teams? Or C, all of the above? <laughs> for the... Uh... For the timeline, we'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Uh, no Taylor tonight, as I think he is currently naked in his neighborhood uh, after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, probably getting arrested for indecent exposure. So be on the lookout on the internet for Taylor tomorrow. Uh, JD is a little under the weather, so he is out today as well. But we're here. We're going to talk some NBA hoops. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of trade action, some free agent signings. But first, guys, before we do all that, I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for watching on YouTube.com. If you are in the chat and live tonight, we appreciate you. Go hit that like button while you're watching the video. It's literally the easiest thing you could do while you're watching this video, and it helps our podcast out so much just by helping uh, curve the algorithm to, for more people to see the show. If you listen to the podcast, Thank you for downloading our show. Drop a five-star rating. And if you're watching the replay on YouTube, you can still hit the like button, write a little comment as well. It always makes my heart happy to get on uh, the internet the day after a podcast and see all the YouTube comments on our show. Unless there are people talking shit, then I don't like it. So be nice. (laughs) Gentlemen, we have two games to talk about. They are two very different games. The Thunder went down to Dallas and got their butts kicked 146 to 111. And then they came home today, 24 hours later, and beat a team they have not beat since Darius Baisley was starting for this team. 
Godspeed to all of us. They beat the Kings 127 to 113. Nick, I'm throwing it to you first. I guess we start with Dallas. Let's go chronologically. Mm-hmm. Big themes, takeaways, thoughts, opinions from the Dallas Mavericks loss. Before I give you a theme, I want to correct you on your slander. Uh, Darius Baisley will be in Indianapolis for All-Star Weekend. As one of those G League guys? Yes. <laughs> but he will be there nonetheless. Um, the Mavs game, I think it's there's a lot of things that went wrong. Like We could probably talk for hours about all the things that went wrong in that game. Um, Shea post-game kind of gave the high-level, simply put, watered-down version that was basically... Uh, they were the better team that day. They gave more effort that day. They hit more shots that day. Um, they followed the game plan better that day. And they did everything right. And the Thunder did almost nothing right. Um, I will say, defensively, they were really, really, really bad overall. I gave up a ton of points, uh, especially in the first quarter. Though, they did make it a four-point game in the second. They had like a 15-0 run of their own to get back into it. The second half's a whole different story. But the first half, I didn't like blame it all on the defense. Like Luca was hitting some stupid shots. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I think that what was it, 40, 47 first quarter points? It was like a first They almost got they almost got 50. Like at least 15 of those points were some of those like, ah, you shrug. Like, oh, great shot. Like, I don't know how you defend that better. Like step back with a dude in your face falling backwards or the one he got fouled and like threw it behind his head, got the end one. And it, it's just stuff like, I don't want to even complain about defense on those kind of shots. Like it's just, that's just a dude feeling himself that night. Yeah. But, I think the things the defensive things that were more frustrating weren't the just shrug your shoulders and walk it off Luca shots, but like all the alley-oops over guys' heads on the backside and, um, just like communication breakdowns, like trying to send like a, a double or a hedge on a sc- Luca screen and somebody completely whiffs and he just splits the double team and gets like a wide open layup and thing. Those were the defensive problems that really kind of drove me crazy in that Dallas game. And that one goes to a little bit of everybody, right? Like that was a, a horrible team effort defensively, I thought. That's what I was going to say is I, I do think it was a bit of a both and like the Mavericks shot near 80% in that first quarter. And it felt like, I don't know if they took the, the comeback, you know, the last time they played not personally, but like that might've been in the pregame pep talk for that one, for the Mavericks. Like it, they wanted to make a statement and kudos to them statement made. Mm-hmm. But, like you're saying, Jacob, I think the defensive rotations and communication just felt slow all day. They they were not keeping up with what the Mavericks were throwing at them. And the Mavericks took as good advantage as anyone could possibly take, right? The Thunder gave it to them on a silver platter and they went and took it. And it was both of those that made that such a, such a uh, unfun game to watch for Thunder fans. I think it, it was a thorough in hand victory for Dallas where Oklahoma city, like, like you said, they, they kind of gave it away from the get-go in the first quarter. They made a valiant comeback-ish to keep it somewhat interesting for a moment, but it was it was Dallas's day on Saturday for sure. 
I one more thing I'd say on that game um, before we dive into some more specific stuff, like uh, post deadline day rosters, like that kind of felt like a trap game for a couple like the afternoon stuff. Luckily, they cleaned that up today, and we'll talk about the Kings game. Um, on top of the fact that the Mavs had like two brand new rotation players um, who played awesome, who played awesome. Kyrie really Irving good. is recently back, and like he's yep. getting back into his groove. Um, I think all around the league, you generally see teams like first, second game with their new guys, like they're energized, they're pumped up. Those guys are motivated. The crowd's super hype. And like, incoming to the game, PJ Washington, everyone's like freaking out in the stands. Like it's, <laughs> it's a lot of momentum and a lot of in game plan wise too. Like you ask Mark pregame, how do you game plan for those guys? And it's like, you can't, you don't know what they look like in that system. You don't, you can't game plan for a guy you've never seen play on the Mavericks roster. Um, not to say that like it's an auto auto win for Dallas because they had two new guys and you can't game plan for it, but for a lot of reasons, like in hindsight, it's like, am I shocked they got blown out that game? No, for a few reasons. One thing that I don't think really got talked about a lot in the aftermath of that Dallas game is the offense. Like the offense was bad. When you look mm-hmm. at the the overall stats from that game, the Thunder shot thirty eight percent from the floor. Um, of the 98 shot attempts, the Thunder took that game, 47 were threes. Uh, they got out free throwed. The Dallas took 12 more free throws than the Thunder. And a lot of times I take issue with that. You can't take issue with it when half of your field goal attempts come from the three point line and credit to Dallas for their, like how they were defending the Thunder which was don't let Shea and don't let Dub get into the lane and make other guys beat you. And we will dive into that shortly. We're, we're not going to... We've got a segment to kind of talk about some of the offensive woes and maybe the roster building and, and guys that aren't currently fitting with the team. But offensively, I just thought they were really, really bad in Dallas as well, shooting 38% as one of the, the best offensive teams in the league. They just did not, they couldn't attack Dallas the way they wanted to. Yep. Not hitting shots, not playing. I think the, the, the same style that they succeed with. I think there, there were times where they were settling for shots. I think there were times where they were, um, you know, we say it a lot of where it looks like they're overthinking the plays. I think we saw some of that in Dallas. I think it definitely, it, it happens quick when you get down early like that, you start pressing a bit. And I think, I think that's all it was. I think it, it's kind of like the snowball effect where Dallas came out like they were. And all of a sudden, like immediately in the middle of the first quarter, you are under pressure as the thunder it to, Oh, we got to make a run or like, we're out of this thing. And I think that the issues just compounded themselves and it got worse <clears throat> and worse for OKC. Any surprises in terms of, rotations and who got minutes jacob i'm curious from your point of view say it one more time rotations and who got minutes especially early like i know mark is historically known for if the main guys aren't getting it done i got no problem throwing in like the end of the bench guys to give a spark but was it surprising to see like early and not just really significant like in, in kind of pivotal times like lindy and usman and some of those guys playing a little bit. I mean, it's kind of what I've come to expect from Mark. 
so it doesn't catch me too off guard. The Usman minutes are kind of interesting to me because it's like he is guaranteed six minutes, like the final three minutes of the first quarter, the first three minutes of the second quarter, and he doesn't see the court again, like the rest of the game. And those six minutes are very hit or miss, like very hit or miss. Um, they're more miss than hit, but there there wasn't a lot from the rotation that really caught me off guard. Um, and we can talk about the Kings game here in a second. Maybe there are some more interesting things from the Kings game today uh, that we can jump into. But Justin, one thing that you were kind of talking about there, the the kind of overthinking the offense and things like that, I think a big theme from that game was just the first quarter and how you could just tell by the 10 minute mark of the first quarter, just the, I don't want to say effort because that's like insinuating that they aren't trying hard and don't want to win the game. I don't believe that's the case, but I think Mark uses the term force a lot. The force they played with, like they didn't have much of that. And if you were to watch the, the first five minutes of the Dallas game and then immediately watch the first five minutes of today's Kings game, it looks like two different teams, like the level of aggression and force and aggressiveness that they played with today versus yesterday uh, was pretty substantial. I thought. Yeah. I think just like I said, it maybe the, uh, you know, the comeback the thunder had against the Mavericks made its way into a pregame speech for Dallas. And they came out and wanted to make a statement. I feel like the same could be said for Oklahoma city today coming on the heels of that Mavericks loss of, Anybody can lose to anybody. You have a chance to go like clean slate, wipe Dallas off everybody's conscience and come out and play with force, execute at a high level, be tight on your rotations, finish at the rim, do all the little things that this team has made its bread and butter on and go take care of business. And they did that today. And I think, again, it's encouraging to see a young team. They're not going to be perfect all the time. But when you have the opportunity to bounce back to do so and to do so against a very good Kings team that's honestly uh, dominated this matchup in recent years, that that feels good to see from this young team for sure. Definitely. So we're kind of transitioning to the Kings game. So let's just dive into that one. A 127-113 win for the Thunder today against the Sacramento Kings. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. The first Thunder win over the Kings since 2021? Yeah, December of 2021. December 2020, uh, it was eight straight losses, I believe. Yep. Uh, today kind of broke a lot of things for the Thunder. It broke a losing streak to the Kings. It broke a series of really bad afternoon games for the Thunder. And still this season, they have not lost three games in a row. If they lost today, that would have been three in a row for the first time all season. Uh, they don't get there. Like, I think that's a sign of a team that is maturing and we know that they love to preach the zero and zero idea. Yep. I, I think not losing three in a row is like the, the manifestation of that almost like a lot of teams you lose like you did in Dallas that bleeds over, especially on the second game of a back-to-back it can bleed over really easy. This team doesn't let that happen. And I think the resiliency was something really great to see tonight. I think it's a consistency thing. Um, a lot of teams take Cleveland, for example, who 
I don't have their record pulled up, but they're they're up there with Oklahoma City now. Like similar record, um, top five or six in the NBA. And they're on a heater. They've won like it was like twelve of the last thirteen or something, if not crazier than that. Seventeen of the last eighteen, something crazy I saw last night. Um, but they were really bad before that, and so there's a lot of like really high peaks and really high value. That's how a lot of teams are. They'll win, you know, five, six, seven straight, and then they'll kind of like teeter around and they'll lose four, five, six. Oklahoma City consistently as as up and down as it feels at times when you're in the moment and like you lose a big game or you win a big game. Consistently, this team just kind of stays level. Like they have the win streaks. They, they haven't had like a crazy win streak this year, mm-hmm. but they also haven't lost three games at any given point. And I think you'd rather have that. I think that speaks more to the quality of a team than the long win streaks and the long losing streaks that kind of balance out to the same record overall. I also think a potential factor for today, right, is you had Dub and Isaiah Joe coming back against Dallas. But that first game back, that can be up and down. I think those guys made their impact incredibly uh, known today. One more than the other, probably. But I think really nice to have those pieces back in the lineup. I think really solid minutes from Jay Will. He was somebody, again, to kind of dip back into the Dallas game. He didn't get played until pretty late in that Dallas game, which felt weird given the size that Dallas has. It it felt like a game where Jay will could be useful. He came in late again, like you mentioned, Nick of like some weird lineup, not weird, but different lineup choices being made in that game today. I think he, he had a solid game, a solid performance. And I think it goes to show that again, this team is more successful when they are, playing to their strengths and i think that having having a guy like jay will and the role that he is so good at at playing for this team it it helps elevate their game as a whole i think having uh j-dub just go insano mode obviously helps a lot having shay be shay obviously helps a lot um i think there there's so many positives to take away from from today's bounce back performance J-Dub and Shea today combine for 70 points. I think it was on like 67% shooting, uh, 75% from three or something like that. Those two are just world beaters. Nick, that stretch at the start of the second quarter where J-Dub was running the show, that might have been the best stretch of basketball I've ever watched him play. And he's had some pretty freaking significant stretches of basketball. Yeah, I think it's to compliment him further that 15 0 run in Dallas, which was like got them back in the game as like a four point game, was with Shea on the bench and Dub facilitating. This is not me saying the Thunder is better without Shea. Um, but he has proven now, time and time again, that when yep. he's on the floor without Shea, he is more than capable of being the guy. He's not just like capable of being like the sixth man that can score a bunch of points, he is capable of being the guy on a highly effective offense against a really good team. He's so good. And he's so much fun to watch. Like the, the way that he plays while there are some similarities, like you can tell he's, he's picking up some tricks from Shea. I liken it a bit too with in the, the, the Shea Chris Paul year where you could, you could see Shea start to pick up some of those Chris Paul techniques and moves Mm -hmm. and just some of those, those savvy things that CP three did. You see some of that in J-Dub, 
but he's a totally different animal. Like he, he brings so much explosiveness to the floor every time he has the ball in his hand. Nick, I think it was you that tweeted it. Like J-Dub going left is unstoppable. It's like unstoppable. his, his athleticism is so hard to guard. And you, you co- compare that with Shay's kind of like methodical jerkiness. That combo is mm-hmm. so dangerous because of how different it is. Like it's not, it's not like you're you're kind of swapping the two out and they, you know, are playing similar styles. Like there's such a contrast there yep. that I think having that um it's like thunder and lightning, like it keeps the defense on their toes at all times. So Meek Leak has a an interesting comment in the chat. Can you imagine what Dud's trade value would be? I don't want to talk about that because he's not on the market. He never will be. Uh, but my <laughs> question, want to imagine my that. question is like, and I don't want to go through and list the players and like do the math for real, but like top of your head. Somebody's like, hey, Justin, Jacob, how many guys in the NBA would you actually trade J-Dub straight up for? What's that number? What's the ballpark? I'm biased. So the, my answer is <laughs> not great. Zero. I don't know, man. Like, that's really, really, really difficult. It's it's well, one of those things. It, so. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what's the answer? 10, 15? I'd say probably 15, 20. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you're not going to do it for anybody that's in the same tier as him, right? Like, uh, you're not doing it for Cade. You're not doing gonna, it for Scotty. Yeah. I, I'm going to butcher the, like, is it a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush? I don't know what that phrase means, but what? it that's a thing. That's a phrase. I've anyway, never heard that. you put your bird in your hand wherever you want, Justin. All right. There's no judging on this podcast. <laughs> the point oh. is, like, a player that you have and you know and is in the system, like, you're always going to value that higher than somebody outside the system, even if they're on a similar plane. Thank you, Smoot, backing me up. I said the phrase correctly. Um, but so that that shortens the pool. So I think when we give this number, it's not saying that Dub is the 15th best player in the NBA, right? Like there's there's a way you could read that statement and come to that conclusion. That's the wrong way to read that statement. I think you also, when you're talking trade value, like you have to factor in age, you have to factor in contract, you have to factor in all that kind of stuff. Um I, yeah, I, I think that number feels right again without actually like looking at a list and going through it. Um, it'd be really hard to to part with Dub, and so I think it would have to be somebody that is like a tier or two above Dub, uh, and is is proven in that sense in order to pull the trigger on it. For what it's worth, J Dub today, thirty two points. On 13 of 20 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 8 rebounds, which is a big rebounding game for him, 9 assists. On the season, J-Dub is up to 19 points on 54-45-81 splits. 4 rebounds, nearly 5 assists, and a steal a game. If the Thunder are in the top 4 of the West next year, I think it'd be a crime to keep him off the all-star team. I know the West is stacked, but what this kid is doing is insane. Like he's, he's so, so, so good. Justin, you were mentioning the athleticism. I wish I had the clip to pull up here on the stream, but whenever he was cooking there in the second, he had a play where he went left, kind of turned his back to the basket, turned back around, planted with his right foot, 
and jumped like five feet backwards and hit like this crazy fadeaway. And I was like, how the hell do you have the strength to get that ball like to the rim and the touch to like make the, he's insane. He is really, really, really freaking the fact that they got him and Chet in the same draft. That's just, that's cheating. Like that is just flat out cheating. Like, Like you shouldn't be able to do that. Overall, guys, the Kings game today, they came with more force. They came with more energy. They came with more aggression. The big guys, meaning like the, the important guys, played awesome. We mentioned Shea and Dub. Uh, Chet went 14 points, four rebounds, two assists, which is like not a super exciting line, but two steals and four blocks. And I just felt like you could feel the difference in the defense, especially at the rim yep. when Chet was on the floor tonight. Yeah. Like it was a massive, massive difference. Uh, the bench didn't have a great night. Uh, Kenrich Williams led the bench with six points. Jay Will did play 22 minutes. We saw some big lineups tonight. Uh, Aaron Wiggins didn't have the best game. Cason uh, Wallace only played 10 minutes, which was kind of surprising because I thought he had one of his best games of the season yeah. down in Dallas. Uh, Smoot in the chat mentions Lou had a great bounce back game today. Mm-hmm. After a poor game against Dallas, Lou came out today. Five of nine from the field, three of five from three, hit all four of his free throws, nine rebounds for Lou, three steals, uh, just making De'Aaron Fox's life hell. Like, I thought a, the response, that's what you want to see from your team. And, yeah. like, I feel so much better about the Dallas game because the way they responded in the Sacramento game. I, it was great to see one, one more thing for me on, on the Kings game. Great to see Kenrich have a better game. Um, the seven games before today against Sacramento. Do you guys know what he was shooting from the floor past seven games? Probably like sub 30%. 32.1%. Okay. He's not been... that he takes a lot, not that he takes a lot of shots, but when you're a guy that is yeah. low volume, you kind of want to make the most of it. Um, he's missed some kind of bunnies and some shots that you're like, just dunk the ball. You don't get your shot blocked. It's that one against Walker Kessler really yeah. sticks out. It's, He's he's like the like, quietly such an important piece because and we'll talk about the addition of Biombo and what he can provide and lineup flexibility. But today, without Biombo, it's like, do you want to go small? You go Kenny. Do you want to go big? You go J Will. And when Kenny's not playing well on both ends, frankly, it's like you can't really be successful with the small ball when he's not mm-hmm. at his best and he's not been at his best of late. Totally agree. Any other thoughts from those two games, guys? I don't think so. I like today better than yesterday. Just a little bit. Uh, Nick, we did get a couple of super chats. Do we want to hit those before Mm -hmm. we take our first break of the night and transition? Yes. Let me throw some of those up here. So the first one's especially for you, Jacob. So it's a question you got to ask or answer. And I think it'll actually transition us nicely. Here in a bit, but better for the Thunder right now, Josh Giddy or Darius Baisley? Josh Giddy, it's not close. <laughs> it is not close. Not taking the bait there. Huh? No, I know David has been just teasing me, so uh, I, I totally get it, David. Appreciate the the super comment, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's Josh by a country mile. Agreed. Another one here from Alan. 
he's mentions it, it may not mean much to most people, but seeing Gordon Hayward on the bench with the team today is really awesome to him. Um, he's super pumped to see him play with the Thunder post All Star break. As a reminder, if you guys didn't know, um, he is on a return to play protocol. Mark said yesterday he probably could play today if he needed to, but given he's a fresh face on a team he's got to get integrated into and probably a fairly significant role, just better to plug him in after the all-star break, give him the extra, you know, it's probably end up being like 10, 11 days of rest by not playing the three games with Oklahoma City after being traded, um, which is smart. Like, you need this guy in the playoffs, and if that gives him the extra rest and, and longevity, um, I think injury management program with him is is super important. From you two, uh, anything the past two games that like make you envision like, man, if Gordon was in right there or Gordon could have could have helped. Here. I mean, Dallas game. You could have yeah. prime prime Shaq and you're, you're probably still screwed with that defense. But yeah. that's bait, Nick. Well, let's, <laughs> hear that's bait. Let's, let's hear it. We will hear it on the other side of our first break of the night. If you're in the live stream, hang with us. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. So Nick wants to know about where we would like to see Gordon Hayward in these past two games. Justin, uh, we have a starter we need to talk about still. Um, but but let's dive into the, the Gordon Hayward aspect of it for a second. Justin, just from what we've heard about Gordon, apparently, like Nick just mentioned, like he is healthy. They're just keeping him out. They're going to slowly onboard him. 
Mark today said that they're going to pick both Hayward and Biombo's spots when they when they play, put them in a situation in a role that they can succeed in and slowly build them up. They're going to be very methodical. They're not just going to throw them in and let them play. Fans might riot because <laughs> of that. Um, I get it, but I'm like a kid on Christmas Day, Justin. I just unwrapped the Nintendo 64, the lime green Donkey Kong edition. I want to get that, that damn thing out of the box. I want to get it plugged in. I don't care about the other presents. It's, I don't need a one-hour limit a day on my new video game console. It's time to play, and I'm going to play all day. These are very specific memories and feelings, it seems like. Hey, my 10-year-old uh, <laughs> birthday got that N64. was one of the greatest <laughs> days of my life. I Until my brother, as a five-year-old, deleted my save file on my memory card when I was on the last level of Donkey Kong. And I came home from school that day and my dad just looked at me and said, brother deleted your game. That son of a bitch. Jeremy, I'll never let you live it down. Clearly not still bothering you. Um, On the note of Gordon Hayward, it's, it's super exciting. I think that I was getting to the place where I didn't think a a big move was coming. I didn't really think a significant move was coming of any kind. I don't know that you can maybe necessarily even categorize Gordon Hayward as like a big move, but it was bigger than I was expecting. Don't that's what she said. Don't I could see it in your eyes. Um I, I think that the the number of players involved, the players involved, like trading meats, like that, that's not nothing. Um it was more of a more of a swing than I was expecting. Gordon Hayward could absolutely crush in Oklahoma City. It could also not pan out, right? Like the uh, not to get like too excited about it, but it could be that we get Charlotte Gordon Hayward, which is like good but not great, and maybe doesn't gel with the lineup. But but maybe Char- Charlotte Gordon Hayward is not the Gordon Hayward that we get in Oklahoma city because Oklahoma city is not Charlotte. And that's the part that I keep coming back to. Like we've seen so much basketball over Gordon Hayward's career that, that makes me excited to watch the thunder team with Gordon Hayward. I think what he can bring to this team in size and shot creation ability, like having an extra shot creator on this team, somebody that can go out and get their own bucket, but also like not somebody that, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time to be effective. I think that fills a void that this team has. I think that that shores up some shortcomings that we've seen, especially in games recently. Like, yes, does plugging Gordon Hayward into the lineup against the Mavs mean the Thunder beat the Mavs on Saturday? Probably not. But does it maybe look a lot different? I I think so. And I think that's, that's a lot of assumptions but I think that I think this team has a lot of areas that Gordon should be able to come in and improve pretty quickly, assuming assuming the health is as good as we think it's going to be. Yeah, it's I, it's it's no question to me if he's healthy, like zero. I think it, it, it's a very very high percent chance that he works out, given we've seen. Other much less talented, less experienced players thrive in a role that he's going to have. Yep. Like 
Aaron then, Wiggins, I don't think his role is like fully diminished with Gordon Hayward coming in. But if Aaron Wiggins can do what he does, just being like the secondary guy out there and letting the game come to him, imagine Gordon Hayward doing that on this team. Yep. That's what I was going to say, Nick. You look at guys like Kenrich Williams or Aaron Wiggins or like even an Usman Jang. But you take those guys and it's like add a ton of NBA and personal experience and success to that style of basketball player and put him on this team. Cause that's kind of what he is. He's, I mean, Justin, you mentioned maybe Charlotte Hayward, like isn't the real Hayward Charlotte Hayward this season before the injury was 15, five and five. Yeah. Still, like, not, still not bad. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, the style he plays, what his personal game is like, I think just his philosophy of basketball, like making the right move, making the right play, playing a smart, high IQ level of basketball. Like, I think he's going to be awesome for this team. I proposed it on deadline day whenever the trade got announced. The past two games have done nothing but make me feel even strongly, more strongly, stronger about this. Mark's comments today that they're going to like slowly bring them on dampens this feeling a little bit, but I feel like by the time we get to the month of April, hell, halfway through March, I think Gordon Hayward's in the starting lineup. My question to you is, does it matter? So I, I know your point of view on this, Nick, that starting doesn't matter Two closes. To an extent, I think it does matter. Um, Tell me why. The slow starts that Oklahoma City has had recently, especially on the offensive end, um, and the way teams guard them to start the game, I think getting in that rhythm early is important. And I wonder if starting Gordon Hayward allows you to get in that rhythm when you don't have the opposing team center just standing under the basket um, because they're on Josh Giddy and they're just completely ignoring him. This is kind of the transition I want to get to as well. Like, I watched Dallas Mavericks on Saturday afternoon watch Josh catch the ball at the three-point line and literally turn their back to him and look to get a rebound because they did not care in the slightest if he had the ball because he was no threat to them at all. I think if you put Gordon Hayward in that starting lineup, Josh is 21. He's got a lot of room to grow. Lord help us all. I hope he grows a lot. And I know this isn't the best situation for him and this like being the fourth guy and not having the ball in his hands and yada, yada, yada. And I think his confidence is just completely shot as well. But minus out-of-bounds plays, I don't know what Gordon Hayward does that is worse than Josh Giddy at this point. The way he's playing lately, for sure. Defensive, mm -hmm. offensive, shooting, like obviously the passing. Yep. He, he has, right... We all know that Josh has potential. We've seen it. We saw it a couple weeks ago. 
he had a really great game. And the problem is the consistency. And I think this season he's not, he's not found the success in the role that he's playing this season, um, which makes somebody like a Gordon Hayward, very attractive to consider, right? Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe you try it with Gordon and it doesn't work out and you go back to Giddy or maybe Giddy keeps the starting role. And to Nick's point, you try Gordon as a closer, which is not different than what's already happening. Like Giddy's not closing a lot of these games. So maybe, right? Like that that's not a big shift from what we've already seen happening this season. And it could just be Gordon Hayward playing that role instead of somebody else on this roster. I think the thing, the thing with Giddy that that is sometimes overlooked in in the discourse. I feel like there should be like a trademark after the phrase the discourse. Um one is is like his age but also i think more specifically it's the microcosm of a season um i forget who posted posted in the chat but like the highlights of his game against the pelicans and going back to less than one season ago in a playoff type environment it was a play in game played an excellent game the way teams defend him looks completely different than it did in that game, which is obviously a contributing a very large contributing factor to his performances. But I also think the role that he's playing on the team this year with the emergence of dub with Chet Holmgren being added to this team, like his role looks very different and his play style looks very different. And to me, what it reminds me a lot of is a lot of our discourse around Lou Dort last season of very different situations but very obvious last year, Lou Dort playing a role not suited to his strengths, not playing in a play style that is doing himself or the team favors most nights, really struggling, shooting way too much, not finishing at the rim. All he's doing, like other than defense, what does he do, right? That was the that was the conversation last year. This year, totally different Lou Dort, playing differently, playing a different role, taking different shots, finishing a little better shooting better from behind the arc and being more choiceful about those shots, not being as high volume of a shooter. Like there is an op there. There is a very real scenario in which Josh Giddy comes back next season, playing a completely different role, much more suited to his strengths and his abilities and what the team needs. So like, I don't think it's a, a sink or swim this season. Like if Josh Giddy can't figure it out this year, then ship him off to whoever else wants him. Right. That's a lot of what you see on NBA Twitter. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily the case because we've we just saw it with Lou Dort. Like I don't I don't think anybody's having the same conversation this year about Lou Dort that they had last year. And I think I think there is a world in which the same thing happens with Josh Giddy. Can I uh, can I play devil's advocate on that for just a moment, please? I agree with a lot of what you say, especially the comp to the the Dort discourse last year and the changing of the role. I think the big difference there is the role that Dort needed to get put in was a reduced role. Mm -hmm. And last year he was playing in an increased role. Yep. I think it's the opposite this time around where Mm -hmm. Josh needs an increased role with on-ball reps Yep. to be more effective. And that... the Dort's role was bound to come back down to earth with the emergence of Dub and Chet just waiting to play. There's... I don't... Unless there's an injury, there's not a scenario next year where you come in and say, yeah, we're giving Josh a ton more on-ball reps this year when you have 
year two Chet, year three Dub, and Shea coming off of what I'm going to say, at least a top two MVP finish. So like the opportunity for Dort to get put in his ideal situation with it, which is lower usage was kind of inevitable. Mm. I think it's the exact opposite for Josh. I don't see a world where he's getting more on ball reps and more usage because there's guys that are just better than him. You're, you're talking about a natural lead guard. That's best playmaking for others versus a guy that is very clearly an off ball guard. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a whole different scenario. I, I think to Justin's point, a change in role is the, is the, the challenge right now. And we very well next season could see that be alleviated. He figures it out. You find the different role, whatever it might be. And it's not a conversation anymore, but it is, it is different. And, what that role change actually is. I have a question for you guys. So Jacob mentioned slow starts, right? Especially of late. It feels like that's happened a lot. Um, I'm not going to like break down the numbers by like month or recent games versus the beginning of the season games, but like big picture of the season. Um, and then I, I know you can stagger lineups and your starting lineup doesn't necessarily dictate how you play in the first quarter because your whole starting lineup is not going to play the first quarter, but uh, I want you guys to tell me first quarters this season. What do you think? Oklahoma, where do you think Oklahoma City sits among NBA teams in offensive rating? First quarters. I bet it's pretty high. I think it's pretty high too because they've had some stupid first quarters this year. What do you think it is? And Shay's just insane. Top I'd, seven. I was going to say top ten. Three. Three. Hot what do you think their defensive rating is in the first quarter. That I'm gonna say bottom half, like 18, 15. 15. Okay. okay, so right at mid. Second quarter's offensive rating. Where do they rank? I'd put that closer to the middle, like 15. I think so too. 18. And what do you think okay. their defensive rating in second quarters is? 10. I bet the defense is top 10. I bet it's pretty good. It's three. <laughs> God. So, Helpful. so okay. I'm not saying my reasoning for just okay. So I am saying my reasoning explain, for keeping professor. Josh in the starting lineup because it's working in first quarters offensively. If because we we have and we should talk about Josh's defense because it hasn't been great, but we want to talk about the offense and teams playing off like something's working most first quarters offensively with Josh on the floor for a lot of it. I think that's Shea Gojus Alexander. It, but it's working, mm-hmm. right? You're a top three team in the West. You're a top three offensive rating. It, it works, right? Second quarter, something's not working offensively. Also probably because Shea plays most of the first and not a lot of the second. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. So why not? So you just talked about Usman being like the last three, first three of a quarter kind of guy. Why not have Gordon Hayward be like a last five, first five for his first mm-hmm. rotation? Could be. Close out the first, start the second. I, you I said just that, think there's... You said that's for the season, right? Yes. Yeah. Like we we don't need to dig deep into this, but I'd be interested to see what it's what it is over the past fifteen or twenty games. Exactly what I said when I started this yeah. that I was not yeah, going to do. It, but I agree. Mm-hmm. But I agree. Yes. Yeah. I know. Like, I yeah, yeah. We're not going to dive into it, but I, teams I... have gotten more aggressive in playing off of Josh Giddy, and I think mm-hmm. that that's the effect that Jacob you're getting at. Yeah. Um, and I think it's both sides of the ball too. Like. Mm-hmm. It is very clear that teams do not care to guard him offensively. Defensively, the one that really stuck out to me was that Utah game 
where Colin Sexton would bring the ball up the court. Lou Dort would be guarding him. Whoever Josh was guarding got called up to set the screen. They would force the switch, and it was Colin Sexton straight into Josh Giddy. I counted it was five straight possessions, four buckets. The fifth possession, Josh got his hand on the ball and stripped it out and then got subbed out of the game because it was very clear that the strategy was as simple as let's find the weakest link possible and just beat it and beat it and beat it and beat it until the chain breaks. I don't think Josh is that bad, right? I I think there's a lot of things contributing here. But you just... And this isn't for you two, just I think more the, the collective thunder hive mind. The discourse. You just... You cannot deny that he is a pretty substantial net negative at this point in time. And I think he plays and he plays bad. And as any 21 year old would be, you feel bad. You feel like you're letting the team down. You feel like low self-esteem and low confidence snowballs and it snowballs. And then he comes out the next game and it gets worse. And we're kind of seeing it spiral what's interesting is this team has always believed in like youth development, right? Like put them in these challenging situations, let them figure their way out of it. And they come out on the other side better. I'm kind of interested to see, is that going to be the mindset moving forward when you're number three, number two in the West, or is it, let's get somebody in there who can fix it and who can be better. Yeah. I think, I think my, Final take on Josh and Gordon starting. I think it's the rabbit hole they're in right now. Um, I would not be opposed to Gordon starting by any stretch. Like that would be awesome. He should, he should also close. Um, that said, I think we talked about this team has not lost more than two games in a row. I think it will take something like that happening, losing three, four, five games for a change. I just interesting. If if you if you if you continue at this pace winning and you never lose more than a couple in a row, I just, I just think this this front office and, and this franchise is like... What about when it comes to the playoffs, though, Nick? Like, Well, that's a I, whole I, different I, story. I totally that's a whole get, different story. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from, but to me, that mindset <clears throat> is what kept Perk on the floor for, what was it, five games in the NBA Finals. We're not talking playoffs here. We're talking regular season. Yeah, I just... It's like, hey, we're winning games, but it's almost like you're winning games in spite of this thing happening. And I just wonder if they say like, yeah, the offensive rating is good. And we are, you know, haven't lost three in a row. But there's very clearly when you like just scrap the data and you just watch the game, this thing is happening and it is bad for the team. And we need to address it. Like, yeah. And I think that that's that's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. In football, I mean, you could have the best, uh, one of the best offenses in the league, and you're winning at a really high rate. And you could have the best, se- the, t- the top seed in the NFC. Your offensive coordinator is not going to come in and say, you know what, these two receivers are kind of playing bad. We're going to pull you out. We're going to change our. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, I know. I'm... It it takes it takes adversity and being and actually losing tangibly losing games in the regular season, I think, to make that big of a change. It's going to be interesting. Not not that not, not that I agree with that philosophy. I'm saying what I think. This team will do in the regular yeah. season. We're talking about they, they clearly, this franchise has always valued continuity, and I think that's yeah. you know 
but they're much smarter smarter than us <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a reason they're the ones uh running said franchise and there there's probably a lot of value in that and totally. i think you see that with that's probably why they haven't lost three games in a row this season is because of that continuity so i i don't disagree with that at all nick we talked you, about rotations earlier justin yeah you're seeing a lot more josh getting pulled quicker mm-hmm. now i mentioned that um that situation with Colin Sexton in that jazz game. Yeah. Um, you saw it in the Dallas game. You saw it today in the Kings game. Yep. When he comes in and things start to deteriorate, they're a lot quicker to pull the trigger. I kind of expect that to continue yep. maybe to even a quicker trigger when Gordon Hayward is playing. Yeah. Because that trigger is now Josh. Josh is playing bad but the guy we're moving into his spot is an Aaron Wiggins, or maybe it's a case in Wallace where when it's, Oh, he's playing bad, but we can pull him and put in a veteran Gordon Hayward. I think that allows you to pull the trigger a little bit quicker. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that that's a lever the thunder will have at their disposal mm-hmm. for, you know, to Nick's point, if, if Josh continues to start, um, you always have that option ready to go. Like that, Gordon could be the first guy off the bench in a theoretical scenario um, where you pull Josh and have have Gordon come in. Do I think that that's would be beneficial to Josh's long term play? Like, probably not. Um, I think that that probably contributes to the snowball effect that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but competition, internal competition, breeds excellence and i think that that's josh whether no matter how young he is like right we can make we did make the excuse earlier of like how young he is he's still growing he has room to develop that's all true and that's all fine and that's a lot of what this team is but the fact of the matter is now like you said jacob gordon hayward's sitting on that bench and he's available he's almost available um he'll be available and he can come and deliver for this team and that's never been necessarily the option. Like you said, like the guys you're bringing off are Aaron Wiggins, who is a fantastic player, but like we all know what Aaron Wiggins is. Mm-hmm. Same with Casey. Mark's like, going to have something like that. Yes, exactly. And I think that's what makes the dynamic different. Um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, I'm, you know, in a perfect world, like I think the, the, the discourse has gotten so toxic to where it's like, well, you know, who are you supporting? Are you supporting Josh? Or are you supporting Gordon? Right? Like it's an either or. Like why not? Pork you mean in the age goes. of social media, every argument has to be <laughs> right. black or white. Yeah. Somebody in the chat said that uh, you know the Thunder fan base is going to run Josh Giddy off. Like, okay, but <laughs> let's be real. Why can't they both be good? Like that's the ideal scenario. Is that maybe Josh's role changes now, and maybe Josh responds to it now. And maybe Gordon Hayward comes in and is great. And come April, we're looking back at this trade like, wow, we didn't even realize it back then. But like Gordon Hayward coming in helped both of them. That's the ideal scenario. That's a win for everybody. And so like it doesn't have to be this either or. Do I think that's the most likely outcome? Probably not. But like there is a world in which something like that happens. My last thoughts on it before we move on. 
I'm just talking about what I'm seeing on a basketball court. And like, I feel like a lot of people take it as, oh, you're a Josh Giddy hater. You right. hate the kid. You want him to fail. You want him to. No, dude. Like he's a 21-year-old kid playing on the basketball team that I like and that I podcast about. I want the kid to succeed. Yep. I'm just reacting to what I'm seeing and what I'm seeing isn't good. And I don't know. At some point it's like, man, we, we all just need to collectively like log off the internet and go touch grass for a little That's bit, crazy. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think we're going to see Josh's minutes continue to get decrease. I think as long as he's healthy, healthy, Gordon Hayward's minutes will increase to the point where when we are in playoff basketball, Josh Giddy is playing minutes in the teens and Gordon Hayward is playing minutes closer to 30 and closing games. I think that is to me, when I look at the team and I see what is happening and I see the way they're guarded and I see the way the defense is reacting and I see what opposing teams are doing to Oklahoma city on offense. And I see the trajectory that is what I foresee happening. Now, if Josh comes out the rest of the way and shoots 50% from three and forces people to, to step out and guard him and not ignore him and he makes layups, could all change. But the trajectory that I'm seeing as somebody who wants Josh to succeed is that this thing is going downhill more than it is going uphill. Let's take a break on the other side. Let's talk about another trade. Or not, I guess not a trade, but another player the Thunder acquired. We'll be back right after this. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. Nick, the Thunder have signed Bismack Biombo. Sure have. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are let's not collectively get ahead of ourselves when we think about what he is and what his role is. <laughs> there and, and I'm I'm guilty of it. I probably tweeted something along the lines of 
Thunder got the backup big they needed, and they did. They did. That doesn't mean, and this could change, like he could come out and fit like a glove and ball out. I don't see him as a guy if there's, what, 20, 29 games after the break remaining, something like that. I don't think he plays every single game. I view him as a a tool in the toolbox of this in the Slack, where depending on the matchup and what you see from the starters and kind of how the game's unfolding, he is another option to play back up big. Some games, it may be a whole lot of Kenrich and not a whole lot of real backup bigs. Some games, it may be Kenrich is actually playing more wing and you go with a J-Will or a Bismack. It's like, do we need floor spacing in a big body or do we need rim protection and a traditional big that can really rebound the ball with a 7-6 wingspan to go play backup big? I, I don't think it's a simple depth chart Starting center, Chet, backup center, Bismack, Biombo, and he's going to play every night for X minutes. I think it's really going to be game-to-game, situational. What do you need? And plug him in in those moments. And it may be four minutes one night. It could be 23 another night. It could be a DNC the next night. DNP. DNP. What is that? No, you said it. you got to come up with something right here. What Drilling is and completion. That's, that's an oil. <laughs> I, I'd say that word too much. Um so I think I think he's a tool in the toolbox, which going into the playoffs is what you want. Yep. Same with the the conundrum between Gordon and Josh and Kaysen and Wiggins and all these other guys. You're gonna you want the tool. You go in your pantry for a midnight snack. Do you want twelve things to choose from depending on how you're feeling and what sounds good, or do you want just a few? You you want the optionality, right? And that, that's all this is. He sounds he's like not, I'm put on a lot of weight. He will. <laughs> that's don't. He's, uh, it, no, you stick with your uh, your rice cake with peanut butter and chocolate chips, whatever you do on it. It's the rice same. cake slap, bro. It's the, <laughs> it's the same thing you were saying earlier, Nick, of, you know, what the Thunder have been doing is working, right? Like Oklahoma City is where they are in the standings because it's working. So as much as, everyone can sit around and yell about not having a true backup five. It's working. And you can't ignore that like long-term, right? We're not talking about small streaks. We're not talking about spot games, but I think that is exactly what Biombo is. I think you nailed it in that we, they're not going to blow everything up. And all of a sudden Biombo play comes off the bench when Chet comes off the floor. He's not eating up all Jay Will's minutes. He's not even. I think that's the discussion. I I think he'll take some, but I think, I think it's situational, right? Situational, exactly like Nick said. Like I I I think that was a perfect summation of it. It, it is an option that they didn't have before. Like I mentioned, man, it's weird that J Will didn't play against the Mavericks because they're big. Like take a step back and realize what a stupid statement that is. <laughs> because like J Will's not a traditional big. Mm-hmm. If Biombo was on the bench. You go put him out on the floor against Dallas. And there's lots of other teams where he makes a lot of sense. But even against teams with big traditional guys at the five, Oklahoma State has still found success without a traditional five. And like Mm -hmm. at some point, you have to realize that just because you don't match up doesn't mean it's always a problem. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting we talked about this pre deadline, or maybe it was post deadline 
pre Biombo, where fans were, yeah, it definitely was because fans were pissed. Oklahoma City didn't get a backup big. And we talked about this like hypothetically, you go get this big and it does fix things, but it also hinders things. Biombo mm-hmm. is a great example. And this is why he will not play consistent, regular, significant minutes is because he is a 50% free throw shooter. He has never made a three pointer in his career. And so while he can gobble up rebounds and maybe protect the paint better than some other backup big options, you can't play the same way you play when he's on the floor. Like there's going to be a tangible change in what Oklahoma city does offensively when he is on the floor. And some, some nights you will need that. Like, okay, we can't run five out and, and run and gun transition like we do with a Chet or with a, with a Kenrich at the five, but maybe you do need to switch it up or like, bust the zone or something's not working offensively like he he will help but he also hurts you in other ways that are kind of ways that the thunder make themselves stick out by being really efficient from the free throw line and really good from beyond the arc and he doesn't do either of those things so that's just a, a, a perfect example of how it's not just as simple as go get a backup big that can rebound Andre Drummond. i could see biombo like if he was activated I could have seen him getting five minutes today just to get some run against DeMontis Sabonis, a guy that just wants to back you down, back you down, back you down, and shoot a little baby hook over the top of your head. Or mirror um, his Alex Lynn minutes. They're not going to hurt each other, but yeah, that, exactly. that, that gives you something. Um, those types of matchups in situational, hey, Chet's got three fouls in the first half, and we want to get a bigger defender in there for a few minutes who can set a good screen and let Shea come off of it for three minutes to end the half against Denver and Jokic, right? Uh, or to guard Anthony Davis or like situationally, I can see that. I don't, I think Jay will has been playing really well lately. And I don't think that this move indicates that Jay will is not going to play anymore. Like, I mean, I don't know what else I can add to what Nick already said, that it's it's going to be situational, and it's another tool that you have in case. It's almost like the break glass in case of emergency type of tool. I do not expect Bismack Biombo to play every game the rest of the way for OKC. Maybe half. It's kind of where I'm at. Agreed. And it, it, it'll probably vary in the playoff series, too. You there may be a first round playoff series where he doesn't play a single minute. And people are thinking like, man, what a waste of a 15th roster spot they used back in February. And then round two comes around and this dude's playing 17 minutes a night game two, three, four, five. And it's like the difference. Like it's, that's just what this is going to be. Totally agree. Totally agree. Any other thoughts on Bismack Biombo? I do love that the thunder, um, Whenever they, like, they officially announced it, they included his uh, franchise record rebounds against the Cleveland Cavaliers in like 2016. the 2016 playoffs. Yeah. To me, that was the ultimate. We got a guy that will rebound the ball. Now, will you all shut the F up? Yeah. That's 100% <laughs> what that press release was. And he shut does, up. to be fair. like he, He's an he, animal on the glass. He's an animal on the glass. 28 rebounds is uh, it's like a Wednesday night for Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Before we get out of here, Justin, yeah, we got to update the predictions. Please uh, do. Okay. 
we uh we have some movement in the prediction board this last week was not kind to most of y'all can't say the same about me uh i'm coming back y'all you know that gif of the undertaker coming out of the the coffin that's justin right now i've been taking some swings in recent weeks and with the exception of the dallas game uh they've been paying off and i'm not sitting so far behind anymore the updated standings Mm. i'm sitting in last still but much closer at 24 points we have jd and jacob sitting at 26 and then a tie atop the leaderboard taylor is now joined by nick crane i will say this and jacob i'll let you explain how orlando works with a one game week but I'll I'll tease this. There's a world where Justin jumps from last to third before the Dang All-Star right. Break. Very very true. Um, if I if the Dallas if Oklahoma City hadn't crapped the bed against Dallas, I'm third right now. So close. Dang. So last week there was three games. There's five of us, which means there was 15 total predictions. We went four and eleven. Why do you guys listen to this podcast? We clearly and, don't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> and um, I think I we all flipped them. Dallas and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we did. This week, gentlemen, we have one game to predict. That is the Orlando Magic. National TV, Tuesday night, down in the house the mouse built. <laughs> LeBron's Lakers ring. When there's only one game, we all know what the money ball is going to be. So we're raising the stakes this week. Typically, the money ball is your lock of the week. If you get it right, you get two points. But if you get it wrong, you lose two points. We're ratcheting up the stakes a little bit this week, though. It's a three-time money ball, baby. If you get it right, you get three points. If you get it wrong, you go down three points. We got to mix this thing up a little bit as we come down the stretch here. I think maybe we should have a week at some point in these final 30 games where it's like every game is double or something, or every game is a money ball. Jacob just changing the rules. No kidding. Uh, I'm just suit, keeping things exciting for the folks suit at home. his own needs is what it is. Justin, <laughs> the Thunder go down to Orlando for their second meeting with the Magic. Mm. First meeting was at home. Orlando had a lot of injured guys. The Thunder won that game. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander had, I think, a a career high and a franchise high six and ones in that game. What happens down in Walt Disney World on Tuesday? I'm excited to watch Oklahoma City play a national TV game, not on the second night of a back-to-back. Finally. And I think for that reason, not that reason alone, but because of that, I, I expect a good performance from Oklahoma City. I expect them to come out much like they did today with a, a goal of making a statement. I think heading into the All-Star break, your last opportunity to to kind of set the tone heading into a week off and getting to do so on national TV against a young team in the East that has a lot of parallels to your own, that's a big opportunity. And I think there there's a lot of like fun individual matchups within that we got robbed of this matchup being on national TV last year. Mm-hmm. And now, now we get to to have the fulfillment. And I, I think the thunder are going to come out and take advantage and come away with the win. Nick, what do you got? Three things came to mind in this game. 
one, historically, teams are known for sleepwalking through the last game before All-Star. Um, second thing that came to mind is Orlando is horrible on the road. Actually, really good at home. Like, I think 17-7 and seven at home. It's very similar um, to the Thunder's records. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it's the first two would almost lead me to believe, especially because Oklahoma City is sending quite a few guys to Indianapolis, that they could be the sleepwalking team. It's tough to beat Orlando at home. But what I can't get over is how abysmal the Magic are at shooting threes and how good the Thunder have been this season at shooting threes. I really think this is one of those very simple games. If Oklahoma City just wins the three-point efficiency battle in this game it's probably a pretty straightforward win because orlando is like second worst in three point let's say it's had this crazy game shooting take a lot of threes make a lot of threes and you're probably okay now it's against like the driving thunder maybe more like make good drives and smart kickouts for threes i'm not saying just hoist threes but it should come down to that so you got a w got a w i am taking the w as well the two gentlemen that are not here tonight, JD has a W. Taylor has an L. Oh, that's wow. Wait, does he lose three points? If, if he, he gets it wrong, wrong, he loses three points. So everybody's if, a W besides Taylor? Yes. If Taylor, if the Thunder lose, we all last. drop three and Taylor gains three. He'll be last. <laughs> Will he? Yeah. Right? I'm trying to do the math. Yeah. He'll be he 27. Would. Justin will be 27. Be, Silva, you and you will be 29. Be I'll be 33. He'll be tied with Justin for last. Wow. It's a big game, boys. It is a big game. Taylor Pierce. Or he could, take a, he could take a huge lead. He could yeah. take a huge lead. We can't let that happen. That's we, why I'm saying. We, on the heels of a Chiefs Super Bowl, we can't Ugh, let that happen. Yeah. We're going to change up some. We're going to have. Hey, you guys that are in the comments over there. If you have any ideas on how we can make these predictions a little more exciting, variable down the stretch, let us know. We're going to mix it up. We're going to have some fun. It's kind of like a, a game of Mario Kart. You think you're in the lead, and then you get red-shelled in the last five feet. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to be first place with like a week left in the season, and Jacob's going to say, well, if your name's Nick and you live in Dallas, every game is an automatic minus two unless the team wins by 30. Like, where did that rule come from? Oh, I just want to mix it up. I like Smoot's idea here. We let opponents pick money balls for each other. No. No. That's interesting. <laughs> Get out it, of it's, here. It's, it's interesting, but it's it's just a recipe for no. people to come back, and we don't want that. I will say... If the Thunder beat the Magic for next week's graphic, even though I'll be tied with Taylor, I will 100% put him last. Yes. Optically, <laughs> optically, yes. Yes. Any uh, big predictions for the, the Magic game specifically, other than four dubs and an L from the team? I think J-Dub is going to have another banger. That's going to be interesting because I think it's going to be Dort on Bancaro again. They like that matchup. Mm -hmm. It's going to be J Dub probably on Franz Wagner. Orlando plays like two more traditional style bigs, and we'll have Chet Holmgren out there. So that'll be that's always a fun matchup. I thought Chet 
for the most part, held up pretty well against uh, Sabonis today, which has been a real issue for him in the first two. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Suggs is a good defender, and Shea just tore him to freaking shreds last time. Yep. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, I think the Thunder bench is going to have to have a, a pretty decent game. Uh, it all hinges on those five Usman Jang minutes to me. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, anything else before we get out of here? No, let's get out. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We really appreciate you. If you were one of the many people in the live stream tonight, I know there's a lot of differing opinions on the whole Josh Giddy the discourse trademark, Justin. But we appreciate you guys hanging out and chatting. Uh, the comments, I was going to say is a safe space. It might not be a safe space based on how some of you guys talk to each other. But regardless... <laughs> We appreciate that you guys are in here uh, hanging out with us, having a good time. If you download the podcast version of this on your podcast platform of choice, please make sure to drop a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate that. And if you're watching the YouTube video, go click that like button, help the algorithm out. It pops up on more For You pages, helps the YouTube channel continue to grow, which it's growing at a very, very fast rate. So we really appreciate that. We'll be back Wednesday after the Thunder take on the Orlando Magic Tuesday night, we'll be here Wednesday to talk about that game, some all-star stuff, and just some big picture like stretch run of the, the NBA season. Should be a blast. You guys have a great start to your week. We'll see you in a few days. Until then, as always, Thunder up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.